Hello, I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. And our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, But for more info and business wrench related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with Bella Mike. My name is Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson and Terry Recruitment and indeed the Oxford Business Community Network. And I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor and also the head of marketing and events at Oxford Head Injury Services, the brain injury charity formerly known as Headway Oxfordshire. Now our show introduces you to local trusted experts whilst we're also discussing topical issues that impact on local businesses. And today we're bringing the topic of sport to business also. Um, and on today's show, we look forward to welcoming our three guests, who are Liz Verrill, who's the CEO of Barks and Bucks Football Association, Stephen Carer of Abingdon United Football Club, and Rob Porter from Oxford United in the community. Now, Ben, my usual question for yourself, you know, we all love our sports, don't we? Whether that's to watch it or to play it, and for both of us, it's especially our football. But what is the business behind football? That's a great question, Mike. I mean, it's been widely reported um, all around football across the UK and in the county, and in terms of the help that we need on a local level. So over the next hour, I'm sure our three experts are going to give you, the listener, a little bit of insight. Um, This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. We'll be welcoming our three guests after this. Get Radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, today, I'm really, really delighted to um, be welcomed by three, I guess, loyal experts of business or and indeed football in Oxfordshire. So um, so let's start by introducing them. Um, so let's start with you, Liz. Um, please tell the listeners all about you and indeed Barks and Bucks Football Association. Hi and hi, Ben. And thanks for thanks for uh, inviting us on today. Um, so my name is Liz Verrill. I am chief executive of the Barks and Bucks FA. Um, football is pretty much in my veins. Um, uh, I've been in football for, for a very long time now. Um, in terms of Barks and Bucks FA, we've basically got three key responsibilities. Firstly, is around governing the game. So around discipline and behaviour, making sure rules and regulations um, are, are kept in force. Uh, we develop the game. So that's around people development, making sure people have the right skills in place uh, to be able to give uh, people the best opportunities in football. And then finally, and probably one of our newest areas is is using football as a power. Um, And we know that football has the opportunity to connect people and change lives. And that's what we're here to do is to use that power of of football, the medium of football, um, to really help people progress in life. Amazing. Thank you so much. Next up, Stefan, uh, please tell the listeners all about you and indeed the great work you're doing at Abbey United. Um, yeah, hi. Um, so I've been involved at Abingdon United now since June last year. Um, it was one of them things where went in as a sponsor, sponsored the first team, then got involved in just doing a bit of volunteering, a bit of painting, and um, my company got involved, got renovations company, just basically just trying to tidy the place up a little bit. Um, because as you can imagine, you've got a venue like that with so much going on, it is hard to just get the volunteers in on a day-to-day basis. So, um, so I went in there, looked at, yeah, looked after the facilities a little bit, and then 
very slowly got more and more involved. Um, last year, I was appointed onto the committee and then I was running the match days last year. So just making sure the date staff were fine, helping with the programme sales. The bar was running okay, efficiently. And basically everything, just basically supporting everyone, you know, needed support on a match day, making sure that the fans and everyone had a good experience. Um, so then now that position's now stepped up levels, I'm now was appointed last month as general manager. So with that, um, it's in all departments from the bar, um, raising sponsorship, making sure we have a plan for all our facilities and routine maintenance, and just making sure that the club on the social side and on the football side is running efficiently. Amazing. Perfect. Thanks so much. Um, and last but not least, uh, Rob Porter of Oxford United in the community. Um, over to you. Yeah, my name's uh, Rob Porter. I'm the lead community coach for Oxford United in the community. Um, we're a community trust, um, part of the EFL. We're a non-for-profit organisation, so um, we we have a range of programmes, some of them where, like our holiday camps, where we we make money and then that money then goes to to pay for programmes where we, you know, it's it's giving something back to the community. So everything from holiday camps to development centre sessions to working with refugees to working with uh, children in deprived areas to keep them off the streets to going into prisons to do um to do coach development with prisoners so it's uh it's a very varied um and quite an interesting uh area to work in in fairness amazing no thanks so much and look forward to hearing more um o- over the show um rob i'm going to stay with you uh with a tough question um probably the hardest you're going to get this morning um so you have chosen a song for our listeners this morning what's your song choice and why have you picked it Yes, uh, Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol. And uh, in fairness, it was our first answer at our wedding last year. So I think it's um, it's one that's an easy one because it, uh, it keeps the missus happy as well. So And it's a, it's a good song. So that's mine. Interviewing Oxfordshire's business leaders. This is the Business Brunch Podcast. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. Before that song chosen by Rob um, for his partner, I believe, um, then we were listening to the introduction of our guests, a little bit about their background. So we're going to dive into our round table today, talking about uh, the business behind football. And Liz, it'd be a great place to kick off, I think, with yourself, because you've got a great overview in the association's position of all the football clubs that are around. How do you see sort of football clubs being run as businesses or are they run as hobbies? You know, t- tell us a little bit more about your insight there. Yeah, I think we're seeing more and more clubs being run like businesses. I think we've probably moved away from um, the, yes, it's always going to be run by a volunteer and volunteers are really key to our grassroots football. And I think that that will never change. But I think what has changed over the last probably five years or so is the amount that we're asking of clubs. So that, you know, the, the, the safeguarding, the qualifications, the, the licenses that we ask clubs to, to have in place. And I think, you know, football doesn't run just off people running around the pitch. There needs funding in order to do that. So I think that's where clubs have certainly started to look at uh, business models, employing people, um, using finance, um, income generation ideas to make the club run. And I don't think they can run without those key volunteers making those making those decisions. 
It's a really good time to come to you then, Stefan, isn't it? Um, because you have volunteered your time um, yeah. to Abbey United and, and, and your Abenon-based business has done a lot of work in terms of supporting the club. Can you just share really with the listeners in terms of the kind of volunteering that can happen in, in, in local clubs and I guess the real difference it can make? Yes. Um, so basically, any, any job can basically be a volunteer role, whether that's on the football side or whether that's just helping out at the club. So that could be just something very small, as in on busy function nights, glass collecting, all the way through to football where, you know, we're selling programmes, we've got gate staff, we've got steward in the car parks. And when you get the volunteers in, it's really good because it gives people like myself, when I started getting involved, it gave us an outlet. It gives people an outlet. Um, it makes people feel kind of special in a way. You know, they feel like they're doing so. They're giving some good back to the community. And and to be fair, that's what it's that's what it's all about. Is just giving back, giving your time. Sometimes, for me, too much time. <laughs> um, but then that that's just the nature of the beast, and that's just the drug that comes with getting involved in a football club. I think. Um, but yeah, so it doesn't matter what it is, which is general cleaning, collecting it. There's just so much that can be done and it all does make a good difference. Yeah, Rob, it'd be a good um, thing to sort of get an understanding of your link with actually the football club, because obviously you're the, the sort of charity link to the actual football club, Oxford United. And I guess some people look at you as an organisation, so, well, they're doing all the commercial stuff and these guys are just having a bit of a bit of a hobby thing over here. So tell us a little bit about the link and obviously how your organisation still has to operate as a business. Yeah, so as I said, we are, we're the official charity of Oxford United, um, which we do a lot of stuff that kind of links up in terms of the match days, in terms of charity work and stuff like that. So it's, it's quite an intertwined, sort of, it's, it's quite intertwined between the two. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's something where, you know, we're doing a, doing a really good job of, of hopefully benefiting people in the community. And that's literally from, your two, three-year-olds all the way to people in their 90s through things like the Manor Club and, you know, and things like that. And a load of stuff we did through lockdown, going to visit people, giving care packages, stuff like that. So I think when they, they think of Oxford United and Oxford United community, the first thing they think of is obviously football. And obviously it's a massive part of it. There's also a lot of stuff we do, you know, to, to benefit um, Oxford community, which is kind of, which is separate to that. And it's, it's you know, really positive stuff. Amazing. Um, Liz, I'm going to ask uh, a little bit of a negative question, if that's okay. Um, so, and, and please correct me if I'm I'm completely wrong, but but I think that in terms of the take up of of grassroots football, um, I believe num- numbers are down from 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 what they were when I was when I when I was a lad. What 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 can clubs do, and what can I guess we do um, as Oxfordshire businesses to to get more people engaged in football? What 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 I guess what are I guess the pain points? Yeah, and, and that's a really good point because actually the perception is that it has gone down, but in terms of the number of players playing the game, we're actually seeing an increase. Um, so we are seeing an increase, especially in male football and in female football, where mm-hmm. we're seeing the drop-off is perhaps adult 11-a-side football, so your one-team, your two-team clubs. What's probably not increasing in the same rate is the volunteers. We are relying very, very heavily on volunteers that perhaps have been in the game for 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, and what we're not necessarily seeing is the next generation coming through. Um, so in terms of what businesses can do, I think there are um, there are there are a number of things. I think businesses could start to look at their volunteering policies uh, to make it accessible for people to 
to try and get into the game and have that experience. I think they could be looking at how they uh, engage with football around qualifications, because I think that, again, if you look at the power of football, it, it's encouraging people, it's giving people different skills. It's not just football skills. It's not just the round ball. It's resilience. It's mm-hmm. time management. It's organisation. There's so many skills that can come out of being involved in football. So I think companies could probably look at that and think, well, actually, how can I use my employees or encourage my employees, train them, give them that opportunity within grassroots football and actually benefit as a company com- company themselves? And I think the final thing is around using football and physical activity, the benefits of physical activity, the benefits of of, of uh, a positive mental health. Football can bring all of that. And I think that's probably where businesses need to look a little bit closer, not see it as a uh, as a pastime or as a uh, as a hobby, but actually see the value that football can bring to their employees and and, and people associated with their businesses. Great start to Ben's question, I think, there. Because, Stefan, I'd like to bring that same question of Ben's over to yourself, really, because I think, you know, the commercial aspect of running a football club like Abney United Football Club is um, needing sponsors, needing businesses to engage, perhaps, as well as volunteer, dip their hands in their pockets. And I know from my time as commercial manager down at Didcot Town Football Club, it's a tough gig until you get a, a, a game on TV versus Exeter City and then everybody wants to to be behind you. So so tell us a little bit about that experience and about how you've been able to engage local businesses, such as Mr Thompson's business, to, to support your club. Yes, what we've done is um, we basically set, we last year basically we had a new committee. We started from scratch. Everyone had a skill skill set. And one of the guys who would come on board is Chris Lewis, who was our commercial manager. Uh, Mark Reynolds, who was our marketing manager, basically had this view of going out there, setting up a vision program um, and delivering that to local businesses and sponsors. And we picked up a few from that, um, some very good ones as well. And, so now we're just trying to renew them, holding sponsors' events. We want to obviously engage in networking, um, which is something we don't get me wrong. We do need to work on it, but obviously, like everything, it's time. Um, so yeah, sponsors' events, just inviting local companies along to games, just showing us what we got because, like everything, it's it's okay sending an email document or talking to someone on the phone, but you really want to get them over the line and into the gate so you can actually see the facilities you've got and put that vision into practice. So you want to put some banners up? This is the pitch. These are all the local companies we've got sponsoring us. Come on board. We have a function room, which you can use for meetings. The clubhouse isn't open during the week, Monday to Friday. So you have a nice lounge set in there to hire out for your business for training or meetings. And it's just obviously just engaging more and more and more. And I think from attendances, a lot of the, our attendances has, we've got an average now of 116 per game official from the Hellenic when pre-COVID, I think the average is about 28 to 30. And a lot of that has come through, having sponsors come through, having given them season tickets, they're bringing their friends in business along. So then once you get them in the, hold we just want to try and keep them there but the biggest battle is obviously just getting them in through the gate to see what we've got in terms of facilities and how we can basically expose the business absolutely absolutely um rob did, did you want to build on that point yeah just links that in sort of i i still do quite a lot with grassroots football and you know the grassroots game it's it's there is some struggles at the moment because of the cost of living crisis 
you know, people are are struggling and obviously one of the first things that probably goes if you are struggling is probably, well, maybe my child doesn't play football next season because it's, you know, it's it's not a luxury, but compared with heating your house and, and eating, it probably is. So, you know, it's a time where getting business involved to, to help grassroots clubs around the county is absolutely massive. Any help that they can give is is huge because obviously we want kids participating in football, you know, and and if if players are, are losing their love for the game and losing sort of being involved with the game because of it, it's um it's kind of it's quite a tough one at the moment. So um this is a yeah, it's a it's a massive time that if businesses can get involved, it's it's got a huge positive impact. No, absolutely. Just, 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 Rob. I just want to build build on that point a little bit more in terms of um, being able to get young people involved in in football. Um, what what do you do as an organisation um, in in terms of reaching some of those people that aren't necessarily, um, you know, th- that might not necessarily by themselves have the option option to get involved in football? Can you share some of the work of the Oxford United community there? Yeah, so um, one of the one of the things we're doing, one of the main things, are Premier League kicks. Um, what we're doing there is we're engaging sort of kids from more sort of in in areas where there's maybe a higher crime level and stuff like that. And it's it's kind of getting them off the streets and getting them playing active. So it's it's a free. Um, it's we don't charge them for the for the sessions, and they basically come along, and it just keeps them sort of out of out of trouble. To be honest with you, so. It's a good way of engaging young people. They come along, they're enjoying themselves and they're getting the activities as well. And they're just, they're not getting themselves into mischief instead. And then there's things like, um, you know, we do, we do refugee sessions. So they're, you know, they're some of the most vulnerable people in society and it's giving them an outlet where they can, they can come and they can enjoy themselves and keep fit. And, and so there's, yeah, there's loads of work we're doing, which. You know, he said there is the other side with things like holiday camps and development centres where it is it's stuff where it's paid for. But he said that then gives us the opportunity to give back and do these programmes that that benefit the community. Brilliant. Liz, one of the things you've mentioned a couple of times now is this um, football as a power and, and the media of football. So ju- just uh, expand on that for our, for our listeners a little bit in terms of what you mean from that and perhaps some examples of what you've seen. Yeah, and I, and I think you know Rob's already mentioned a couple of things that that really fall into that kind of power of football. I think there's some some very basic level things at football clubs where you see players that perhaps have had confidence issues that have used football to maybe um, develop a better language or a better way of including themselves in a, in a school setting. Um, so you can see it on a very basic level, and I, and I honestly think that volunteers that give up the amount of time that they give up must be doing it for that reason. They must be doing it because they can see a difference to a young person or an adult's life. Um, it's not around the ball. I keep talking about this. It's not about the ball. The, the ball is the vehicle to do it. And I think, you know, every person that steps up every single week to be a volunteer for a club, there has to be something in their head that's saying, I want to do this. And there must the reason for me is that it, it's really making a difference to a, to, a, to a person's life. I think when you look a little bit broader, um, you know, we're looking at um, activities similar to, to what Rob's been talking about with refugees, um, looking at um, activities in, uh, so we've been working in Buckingham in a hotel around a refugee session. We've been working with a prison in Aylesbury around referee qualifications. It's all of these things that football is just this vehicle to 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 make people better and, and give them a better shot in life. Amazing. Amazing. 
I'm going to come with a tough question, uh, Stefan. It's your turn now. Um, so as as with Rob, uh, you have chosen a song for our listeners this morning. What's your song choice and why have you picked it? For me, it's probably going to be a bit of a classic oldie. Um, it's Give Me the Night by George Benson. It's just a bit of an uplifting song. Um, I probably play it three or four times a week if I've come out of a difficult meeting or something doesn't seem to be going right. It just sort of lifts the mood and just sets me in good stead then for the next couple of hours ahead. The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Before that great song chosen by Stefan, we've been speaking with our three experts to really give you, the listener, an insight to what is local football here in Oxfordshire. Um, so, Stefan, I just want to um, continue the conversation, really, um, and I want to build it around the commercials, if that's OK. And I, I, can you just give, um, and not necessarily specifics, but can you just give the listener a little bit of an insight into terms of what, what are the costs that really kind of go into running a club like Abney United? And, and, and I guess, um, where, where does support come from, really? So, um, so the, from, the, from a financial aspect, um, it probably costs to run our first team, the last figures we've done on a playing budget for winter summer training, roughly around, believe it or not, it's about 26 grand a year. Um, that will give the manager a playing budget of roughly around six, seven hundred. How he manages that is up to him for the season. You then have the winter training costs. Obviously, we have to pay for Tilsley. And in the summer, we're at Europa at Cullum. It's because we're trying to keep the foot traffic down on our pitch because we've just, we over the summer, we've probably invested 10 grand, further five throughout the season in maintaining our pitch. And we've been quite fortunate to have. Uh, head groundsman from Oxford United, Kieran Jennings, to offer his free time and his contacts to basically come and help us get our pitch to a decent playable standard. Um, so we've got that. Our ladies team are in step four now of the Women's League Pyramid and their budget is roughly around 2022. But that's a lot. That's A lot of that is taken up by travelling. Um, so you have to go to Torquay, go to Cardiff on a Sunday and sometimes it would really be unfair to ask them to drive all the way down to Torquay and then have to play a game of football. So we are being very careful in what we do. And a couple of games a season, you know, we'll contribute um, as well as another sponsor into maybe allowing them to stay over and just giving them them basic ingredients to really just them little bits that help basically on the pitch. Um, so with our sponsorship, it's basically the three pillars we have is basically investing in the youth development. Um, we currently have three youth teams at the club, an under-9s, under-11s, under-13s. Um, but again, they need training equipment, they need kits, they need goals and stuff like that to help them develop. And it's given them, as I said, them basic ingredients. Um, and then we've got investing in youth development. We've got the pitch maintenance, um, which is obviously we've got... S- teams on that pitch probably giving our groundsman a bit of a headache because he recommends 40 games a season on a pitch we're actually 80 at the moment so we isn't yeah um there's a lot of, a lot of his time as well but he's into the vision of trying to make it work where he can um and then obviously there's pitch maintenance investment you can obviously the playing budget so any sponsorship we get 
coming in through local businesses is channeled directly into the football. So what we did last summer was we completely separated the club, not separated, we split the club into two. We had the social aspect, which was the social bar, which supports itself with functions, bar sales and everything. And then we have the football side, which is basically driven by donations and sponsorship. So if you came along and give us 250 quid, it's not going to get swallowed up to pay a brewery bill. It's going to go straight into the Football Foundation and that will be dispersive, you know, little mini five-a-side goals for the kids, um, training cones, match balls, training tops. It, anything we get in through the sponsorship is then reinvested back into the football. Brilliant. And Rob, one thing I wanted to, to explore with yourself today, because I've had uh, a number of conversations with uh, Chris and Tim at, at the charity, but is that you are fantastic as an organisation about creating partnerships. And if we look at it from a business perspective, you know, business is about reputation. It's about how we position ourselves in a marketplace. So tell us a little bit more about how Oxford United in the community have positioned themselves with some great partners that you have and how those may operate for you in terms of your deliverables. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a it's a massive thing for us. Is obviously the the other businesses and charities we get to work with. I think a prime example. It links into actually uh, what I said at the start and what I'm actually doing this afternoon is the the twinning projects. Uh, basically, with them, I go into Bullingdon Prison um, on. I think this is the last last week of this course. So I go in there and deliver coach education to prisoners. So it's. Um, giving them obviously a coaching qualification when they come out but it's also um, a link back to what Liz said it's it's life skills as well so you know one of the one of the tasks is is qualities of a coach and it's uh, the fact that actually these are good qualities as a coach but they're good qualities to have as a as a person as well you know link with those different businesses different charities are, are massively important um another one is that there's a charity we're we're working with and they're helping some of the young people who we work with over through the development center or the Premier League kicks to get coaching qualifications and start their coaching journey. So it's when they finish that playing journey, maybe at under 16 or, you know, that youth journey is giving them another opportunity to, um, to further themselves and, you know, giving them life skills and potentially down the road, giving them an opportunity to, to potentially make a career for themselves at coaching. So no, it's massively important to what we do to, to sort of make those partnerships with, with both charities and businesses. And an amazing job job you're doing as well. Um, Liz, I'm, I'm just going to go off topic a little bit um, here, if, if that's all right. Um, just, just really kind of uh, with my football fan hat on a little bit. Um, we've spoken a lot about volunteers, but I'm, I'm keen to talk specifically about something that's been in the press quite a lot in terms of it's, it's hard to get referees um, and referees are being forced out of the game um I, I think it's a big big headline can you can you shed some light on that and 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 i guess um if if somebody's listening and thinking do you know what i'd like to volunteer and maybe a referee skill set is something that they they could potentially do can you just share a little bit of insight into into that area yeah no problem i think i think the the main issue in grassroots football this plays very much into referees and referees maybe walking away from the game is behavior um, we've seen an increase in poor behaviour over the over the season, um, and and I, and I think the one thing to really bring out here is that while we see unacceptable behaviour, it's not in every single grassroots game. It's in a small proportion of games 
but it gets a high profile. And, and obviously, every single incident is one incident too many. Um, I think in terms of referees, um, we have had, and I suppose I can blame COVID to a certain extent, we've had two years where we've not been able to bring new referees in. So actually, we were losing them at the at, at, at the back end and not being able to replace them. Um, I think referee retention is a big issue, and it's an issue we've not quite We've not quite solved um, what we're seeing. And this year, we've got plans to run uh, between 35 and 50 referee courses, which is the highest we've ever uh, managed to do in a season. What we're seeing is people are coming into the course. You know, we're not having a problem filling any of those courses, but actually it's keeping them in the game. And that is the, that's the, it's the million dollar question um, is, is how do we stop people falling out of the game at the other end? Behavior will, will form the FA about to, to write the next three year strategy. It will, it will be um, a high priority in our new strategy and also the FAs. And it's already coming out in all the consultation that we are, uh, that we're doing, that behavior is the thing that we need to tackle. Uh, But like I said, it's a small proportion of the games that actually, take place yeah very very interesting point very interesting point when well, i could talk about all all day um, the question stefan i wanted to, to bring over to yourself is that from a business perspective um it's all about customer satisfaction isn't it you know if we can't keep our customers satisfied we lose customers and ultimately we haven't got a business so likewise i guess with a football club in a commercial aspect now i guess if we flip this the other side for you you were once a customer before you got it persuaded, shall we say, to take on a few other things. So tell us about your customer satisfaction journey and your return on investment. You know, what, what was it that was important to you from a business perspective or from an individual's perspective? So from a business perspective, for me, it was more brand awareness. Not gonna lie, um, brand awareness. I was a local company, yeah, we're a local company based in the heart of Abingdon. Um, we had a good client base, and then we thought with Abingdon. If, if I can then get involved with Abingdon and help them increase their attendances and help them along the journey, it would only probably be good for my business as well for the brand awareness aspect. Um, so, the, yeah, I, my, journey, my journey with Abingdon actually started back in 2015. I'd just moved to Abingdon and all those things, I was an Oxford United fan, I used to go to Oxford all the time and... Oxford United ladies, I believe, were playing at the North Court at that time. So I started to get involved there. My other company, uh, which was CMD Tiling at the time, was actually quite heavily involved at Oxford United, um, just doing various sponsorship packages there. So I was quite fortunate to get a little bit of an insight in how the commercial departments run on a match day by obviously going up at Oxford United, seeing how they do things and just taking little bits and ideas away. And then coming into Abingdon, um, when was that? To say that was last year. And just trying to take some of them ideas, like a completely different level to Abingdon, but it was just ba- just basic um, ways we can get around it and um, just try and improve, it, improve everything. But for me, from a business, it, it's been fantastic. I... I don't really want to reveal the figure, but I've actually done, I've, we, over the last year, we've done okay out of business through, and that is just basically channeled through sponsorship and me going to maybe look at jobs in the area and they like, oh, oh, you're, you're having a United. And yeah, and driving the van around and having people wave at me, I don't even know who they are, but I just see the sign on the van and maybe associate it with Abingdon. And that's one of the things I wanted, like 
for us, for years, um, Option had also had that association with Unipart and Bill Base because they were long-term sponsors. And you think of, for me, I think of Bill Base, I think of Oxford United. I think Unipart, I always think of Oxford United because it's always on the shirts. And for me, that's what I want my company linked to be with Abingdon, is people to either see my business and think of Abingdon United or people to come to Abingdon United and think, oh, that's care of property renovations. Nice. Amazing. No, re- really good connection. Really, really good connection. Um, Rob, I, I'm just keen to to build on the badge. Um, so we spoke a lot about about the power of football. Um, how how strong is the badge of Oxford United when when inspiring young young people in schools and 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 really kind of get that inspiration piece? I think it, it's really powerful. Um, there's one thing we're doing coming up where we're there's um, the Thames Valley Police Conference and we're we're actually some of guest speakers on there. And we were speaking in the in the build up to that about the power of the badge and and the fact that obviously from the police's point of view it's it's the com- complete opposite when the police go in the community it's kind of everybody's kind of stand backish where you know we're we're in a really fortunate situation where we go into a school or an after school club or any environment and obviously the power of that badge is is really positive so it it gives us. Um, it gives us kind of a, a really good a good start in any relationship, but I think a lot of it's built on reputation. And you know, you can have you can have a good badge, but if your reputation isn't very good, then it kind of undermines everything. So, you know, the way you conduct yourself and and the way you are as as a club or as a business is is just as important as as anything else. To be honest with you, because you know that that goodwill and trust we built up is could be very very quickly undermined if we if we're not doing things well. So. You know how you conduct yourself is is as important as your reputation. Liz, one of the things I I do admire about grassroots football, as you said earlier, is that sort of the governance and the policies that have sort of come in place to sort of like try and control that a little bit. But if I was to relate that to business, I think some of the frustrations we have in business is the amount of red tape that's around, and therefore, if you're trying to be a volunteer into the world of football and the, the business world of football, and there's a lot of red tape, but you're a volunteer and you're not being paid for doing that, there's a sort of like a you know, a, a balance, isn't there? So, so tell us a little bit more about how uh, Barks and Bucks can help people to sort of balance that expectation, if you like. Yeah, and I think, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we are expecting more and more from our volunteers. They are, football clubs are more businesses. They We are ultimately here to try and protect the integrity of the game um, and safeguard people's journey in the game. And I think when you, when you can sell that or get people to understand why some of that red tape is in place, it becomes it comes a little easier. I think what the FA are doing, and we are a, a partner of the FA, is they're trying to make some of those processes a little bit easier. So uh, use of computers a little bit more so things can be done immediately without kind of paper, paper trails, um, qualifications being available online. Uh, we do a series of um, volunteer uh, training courses all online for new volunteers. So we want to make sure that someone coming into the game is aware of the expectations um, so that actually we're here to provide a service and, and volunteers are here to provide a service in order for the young people and the participants to have a really good uh, experience in the game. So I think, you know, it, it's an ongoing thing. We will always keep pushing um, different ways to try and reduce that burden um, but I, but I do think it's part of the game now, where people do need to come into the game with the 
with the knowledge that actually it's not just rock up with some footballs and play a game of football. There is so much more to it. And, and it is for the integrity and for, for the behavior, sorry, for the safeguarding of, of, of the people in our care. Absolutely. And Liz, that was a really good answer. So now I'm going to, I'm going to bully you back with, uh, with your song choice. So what is your song choice and why have you picked it? Okay. I'm going to go with a nice cheesy song. Um, and, uh, it's kind of a go-to song. It's a little bit of a sentimental one for me, but it's proud by Heather Small. Um, and I think it's around for me, it's around kind of the journey that we're going on, the journey that, that we've been on for the last, well, I've been involved for, for the last 20 years, but the journey that football has taken over the last 20 years. And I do think being corny and being cheesy here, we should be really proud and everyone that's involved in the game should be really proud of what they're doing. Oxfordshire Station. Get Radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Before that very fitting song um, by, by Liz, we've been speaking with our three experts really about Oxfordshire community football and, and how, how can you as local businesses get involved and, and support. Um, Stefan, I, I might be putting two and two together here and making nine, but but one of the things I really feel this season is, is your players seem really engaged with with, with what you're doing as well. Um, I know when I got involved, Aaron was messaging me, Millsy was messaging me. I know Eddie's all over getting getting sponsors as well. Is that because of the culture you set? Is that quite common in local clubs? Has it been intentional with the players you're recruiting? How how's that kind of really happened? Do you think? I basically believe it's. I think with Millsy and Ed, Millsy, Aaron and Eddie, they're all very driven people. Mm. And Millsy is, he just basically wants best for him and team this season. And he has a budget. He knows that not, problem is when you're volunteers, you can't always just rely on that one man to go out and get it. Mm. So this year we've, we've sort of come to an agreement. We'll try and get as much sponsor as we can as a collective group. So, you know, Everyone has their contacts. Um, the amount of player sponsorship that's come through, we're probably 40% after one game, 40% of our players all have player sponsors. I do work along the philosophy of if you've got 17 players in that changing room at £100 sponsorship, that's £1,700 into your budget. And that basically gives you three weeks worth. So everyone has an employer. Everyone knows someone with a business. Everyone has a relative. It's it's not mega money. It's a hundred quid, even if it just kits out a tracksuit. You know, each player that hundred quid will then give them a free tracksuit. And all our team, well, all our squad now, we've all got matching um, tracksuits. We're not all work. Someone's walking in with two a tracksuit from two years ago, and someone's walking in from this year. Um, and people like companies like Manor Flooring have come in. And donated a nice sum. They've come and sponsored one of our stands. Uh, GPH Systems has sponsored one of the other stands. Um, yourself, Ben, you know, you come in and put a couple of little bit of brand awareness there. Um, but I think that's the thing is that everyone can see what we're actually trying to do here. And little things like that sort of gives me a bit of a boost, right? Where are we going now? What, what are we doing now? You know, with this, this is where can we get more? And the players have brought into that vision. The staff have brought into that. Um, and yeah, and we, as I said, our attendances are on the up um, than what they have been. And with that, obviously, you try and tell people it's not just about the football. If you want to put a banner up at the club, we also host darts. 
We had Aunt Sally Championships yesterday afternoon. Um, we had Boxing Club up there three nights a week. It's not just a football. It can be noticed by a wider audience as well as just football. Um, as I said, with our bar teams, with the boxing um, and that. So, yeah, having everyone as a collective group has all pulled together over the summer. And without these deals, GPH and obviously yourselves and my company and Manor Flooring, you know, we wouldn't really have teams. We wouldn't be able to get that sort of calibre of players. And we've got players coming all the way from Swindon wanting to play for us. And two seasons ago, you know when you're making a difference because when players come to you, you're not then having to go to them. So if players are coming to you, you're being noticed. And I think that's the basic philosophy we're working with at the moment. And the, um, a lot of the players come to the ground for the first time because we've had no home games because we've been doing the pitch renovation in pre-season. Our first game was on Friday. But last Saturday, we had a friendly at Tilsley and we had an open day at the club as well, all the families, community and stuff like that. And all the players come to the thing like, beautiful day, bit of wind. But they're like, Jesus, this, this is quite buzzing. And... And it was a bit of a feel-good factor. They actually come in, we've had a new refurbished bar area. We, we dropped our bar prices because we was not, we could, felt we could have done better with bar prices as a social club. And they were like, okay, this is quite good. Here. And yeah, the positive feedback we got from the players is good. And I am, all the time, I am asking them, what, what can we do? You know, what can we do? It's not to say to make you stay, to make, like with... Um, John Mills, what can we do to make your job easier? What can we do as a club to get you attract better players? And that is obviously training facilities, just stuff like a decent tracksuit, a nice kit manufacturer and stuff like that. Yeah, I love it. And it's, it's pretty obvious, I think, from what you've shared with us, Stefan, in terms of the, the football clubs being run by business people now who are bringing their business heads to the football club rather than what I've seen in the past is business people get involved, but they leave their business heads at the, their businesses and then still run this as a little bit of a hobby. Mm-hmm. So it's very, you know, I think what you were saying earlier about, you know, sharing the vision, certainly my days when I was doing the role at Kidlington and then I was doing the role at Dickcott, if you share the vision with local businesses, they want to get behind that and support that. If you go out to local businesses and say, just dip your hand in your pocket because we need some money, well, why would they want to get involved? Yeah, absolutely. But, but, and I think, sorry, carry on. Go on, I was just going to bring it, bring a question over to Rob, but if you've got a point on that. You say, yeah, basically for what me is, um, as we're saying, on the volunteer basis, role is, you know, we are business people and my my philosophy, my personal philosophy is anything I get involved in, whether that be football, whether that be helping out a charity or something like that, I go in it and I try to treat it, take my business brain into that. Because if I, even if I'm being a volunteer, if I can't bring them same fundamental instruments into that, it's not going to work. So if I could put the time into it and take my business stuff like, you know, they're different. They're, my, my business from football are completely different, but there, there is some similarities there. Um, and if I take them things into it, then I know I'm doing a good job. And I don't, then I'll feel good. Because if you're the face of a football club, like anyone on a team, any bad decision falls back onto you. And that's when you start getting the bad noise and that's stuff we don't want. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Rob, the question I was going to bring over to yourself was, uh, and Ben would be quite pleased. I brought this question. Being a recruiter is about people, because one of the things I 
I admire about Oxford United in the community is that you've got different levels that you can work through. Obviously, there's qualifications that you can grade through, but you've got different jobs. And I loved seeing Alex's post the other day where he's gone from somebody who gave one hour a week to coaching to now being a manager of a team. So tell us a little bit more about the progression opportunities for people through um, through football as there would be if they were in a business. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much the same as uh, Alex. I started off about seven years ago now doing literally one hour a week, um, doing an after-school club and then progressed from there, doing some holiday camps, then progressed from there to then start doing some development centre stuff. And and it's ended up with um, a full-time job with the community. So, you know, it's one of those things where I, I do say to new coaches that obviously it's you start, you start small and... Um, but then with every other, you know, walk of life, if you're punctual, if you're reliable, then obviously it will grow, you know, and it's, they said it's, for me personally, coaching isn't really a job, to be perfectly honest with you. It's something I enjoy and I know it's, it's a, it's a bit of a corny one, but you know, if you're, if you're doing something you love, you're not really working. And uh, I think for a lot of people, coaching is like that. So it is a, it's a great kind of career choice. Uh, it's not an easy one to get started in and you know it's it's something that um i think sort of down the line hopefully it carries on growing um but yeah it's as i said it's something that i think is it's something that a lot of people have got a passion for amazing um guys we are coming to the end of the call um or, or the end of the show as such um but liz before we finish i want to put you on the spot um you guys do some great work all across um the local area and and if somebody's listening to this and thinking i've heard some really great ideas today um i would love to be one of these volunteers or i'd love to help the game in some way what would be yeah what would be your kind of top tip what would be your advice of, of how they would how what would be the starting point to get involved yeah, I think, um, and, and like everyone here, we're really, really fortunate to work and to volunteer in a sport that we love. And I think that's the first selling point is if people want to get involved because they have a love for the game or a love for people, then actually this is the perfect sport to get involved with. Um, I think my um, first tip or my my biggest tip would be find your local football club. We have... 5,000 teams across Berkshire and Buckinghamshire and, and part of Oxfordshire that we cover. Um, there's 5,000 teams and I can almost guarantee that every one of those will be open-armed if someone wanted to come in and to give a skill to, to a club. And, and I think the other thing to remember is that it doesn't have to be the person in front of you know, front of the players being that coach. There's so many roles that people can get involved with in a football club. So there is always something for every single person that wants to volunteer in the game. So the, the top tip is find your local club and, and start having that conversation. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, well, that is the end of the show. Um, so thank you so much um, to our three guests on the Business Brunch with Better Mike on Get Radio today. We've had Liz Varel of Barks and Bucks Football Association, Stefan Kerr of Abney United and Rob Porter of Oxford United and the community. Thank you so much to the three of you for sharing such honest insight and actually, to be honest, inspiring um, the listeners today. So thank you for that. You've been listening to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. Next week, we're going to be talking about the topic of HR, employment law and all things people. And we're welcoming three guests who will be Barry Ross of Crossland Solicitors, Rebecca Thompson of CNC and Rebecca Warmington of HR Central. And just that usual reminder, uh, tune in on a Sunday via the radio at 11 o'clock or catch us on a podcast each Monday via your favourite podcast platforms or the video version comes out on a Tuesday via the Get Radio Facebook page or their website. But for now, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. 
and we'll see you next week.